Morning, everyone. Oh, thank you. Hope you're, you're well. Uh, so, uh, my name's Sai, as you, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm come, it's my joy to speak to you again. And uh, yes, I know it's three in a row. Three, uh, it was supposed to be somebody else last week, not, not me. But, but don't worry, uh, uh, for the next two weeks, it's going to be other people. Don't look so pleased. Uh, you're supposed to say, oh no, we're going to miss your voice, I know, I know. Nobody misses my voice, sadly, but never, never mind. Anyway, I'm going to give you a little mini insight into uh, me that you probably, I don't think any of you uh, will, will know. And uh, I had, because I had a little mini insight myself this week, <coughs> excuse me, this week into the story of the prodigal son. And uh, uh, you know the story of the prodigal son, uh, where he goes away and, uh, and he comes to his senses and decides to go back to the father, and the father sees him in the distance, and he goes running to him and, uh, and, uh, and welcomes him back uh, to, amongst the family. Well, what you won't know about me is the fact that I... I, I, the, the closest that I sort of feel to, to shame that I'm aware of when I sort of, because uh, we, we're not really an honor-shame culture and, uh, uh, in that sense, but the, the closest thing that I sort of feel to shame is in the morning, if I'm in my dressing gown and someone comes to my door, I feel, I just feel, sh- it's, it's not even embarrassed, it's I just feel ashamed that they are dressed and ready for action, and I am not. So if, I have, well, if I'm there in my dressing gown, as I have here before you, which is probably also why I feel ashamed, because I probably need a new one, but uh, uh, I, I, I get embarrassed. So anyway, on Monday morning, I'm lying there in bed, it's about 6.15, and uh, Anna says to me, that, that sounds like the bin men outside and uh, you know that and I said no no don't be silly they said they're going to strike until the 25th of June but as I lied there I heard the once annoying the now wonderful sound of the machine crushing rubbish and I thought wow it is the bin men so I jumped up put my dressing gown on and went downstairs and as I was going downstairs I suddenly realized oh no I only last week put the bin back because I thought, oh, they're not coming. So I'll just put it back and I'll take it to the tip at some later stage. So it wasn't out. And, uh, and to my horror, as I looked out the, the window of the, of the front room, they had already gone. They'd gone two or three uh, uh, houses up the road. And so I paused for a moment, you know, remembering my, my shame here, in, in my dressing gown, I didn't have uh, you know, clothes on underneath. And then I, I quickly thought, no, I've got to do it. So I ran out outside, grabbed the bin, ran down the road, barefoot in my dressing gown, after those glorious, illuminous men in orange, and said, wait, wait. I took my bin, and they gladly took it for me and emptied her, yes. <laughs> the victory was short-lived because there was a pile of other rubbish just to fill it up with again. But anyway, but, uh, as I was walking back with my now emptied bin, I, uh, I suddenly felt the father speak to me and said, now you understand a little bit more about the shock that the crowd would have felt when they said the father went running after the sun because the crowd would have been absolutely in that in that culture men don't run 
And so they've just been so shocking. It has been so shameful. They, 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 they don't run. They're too important to, to run when Jesus told that story. So uh, help me have a little insight into that. For the joy that was set before the Father, he went running to his son and welcomed him in. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, or if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, that is true for you. He is calling you. He's speaking even through the little Sam this morning who came and shared. He's calling you to himself. As I reminded you a few weeks ago, as we look at the story of Exodus, and indeed anything in the Old Testament, the Bible says these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down in God's word for our instruction. So as we go through these two chapters today, and I'll summarize some of it and read uh, some of it, that as we go through it, I want you to see yourself in the passage, to see yourself in the failures and the strengths as well, and to learn from him. And then let's turn what we see there into prayers for ourselves, that we would be people that overcome in all that Jesus has for us, thanking God the Father for how he wonderfully provides for us. Amen? Amen. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, Exodus chapter 16, it will appear on the screen behind me as well if you don't have it. We're just going to start with the first three verses. They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We're just going to stop there a moment. Despite God's amazing deliverance of Israel, his wonders that he did, his obvious anointing on, on um, I said, said Meron then, on Moses and Aaron, I joined them together. Meron, there you go, anyway, uh, Moses and Aaron. Uh, they, the the congregation are beginning to miss some of their old life, the positive side of their old life, because remember, they were slaves. And uh, they are grumbling against God, even saying, would he, would he have killed us rather than brought us out here? Now, firstly, before we uh, get too hard on Israel here, remember Deuteronomy 1, verse 2. Moses writes there that it's an 11-day journey from Sinai to, um, uh, to the promised land. So it would have been even shorter from Egypt to the promised land if God had taken them that way. But it didn't happen for two reasons at least that we know of. There may have been more, but we know of two. Firstly, that God had told Moses he needs to bring them to Sinai so that they could worship God there. And secondly, because God says, if I take them a direct route to the promised land, they'll see the Philistines and they'll fear war and they're not ready for battle, as we looked at two weeks ago. So Israel had left Egypt, where they had been slaves, but they had all that they physically 
needed. And they left with visions of going to a land flowing with milk, with honey, with vineyards, with fig trees, i.e. all the good stuff in this life. And here they are, nearly 40 plus days later, and they're in the wilderness, scrounging around for food. Just to put it in context, our bin situation has been less time than they had been there. And think how annoying that is. God is the God of the universe. He's everywhere. Couldn't he have made things more easy? Couldn't he have made things more convenient for them? At this point, surely you must be beginning to see yourself in, in the Israelites here in your own life. I know I do for my own life. The issue isn't the fact that they felt these things. They felt, what are we going to do for food? We're hungry. The issue isn't that. The issue is that they don't trust God in it and come to him, turn their needs into a prayer before God. You see, if they'd done that, God would have told Moses what to do. God would have told them how they could have got some food. He would have made a way, and they'd have been rewarded for their trust and their faith. My friends, Jesus Christ has promised us life and life in all its fullness, a fullness of life that spills over into eternal life, in a a renewed and perfected world where there's none of the bad stuff and all of the good stuff. There's milk, honey, and uh, figs, and vineyards, and don't worry, no one will be dairy intolerant there, that that, that sort of thing. All the good stuff of life is going to be there forever and ever. But this side of eternity, life can be hard work. Life can be a struggle where we have to trust God. There can be lots, and there are lots, of apparent detours where you think, God, what's going on here? I thought I was going that way, and I'm sort of going round here at the moment. Why is things taking so long? Why things so hard? And we as Christians are called to trust God, like the Israelites were called to trust God then. There is a temptation, isn't there, in us all that think, oh God, can't you just make things more convenient? Can't you just make things easier for me? Can't you make things more comfortable for me? And uh, can't you just meet me on the way that I want to go? And the truth is, actually, God in his grace often does meet us on the way. But my friends, God is God, not you. God's not supposed to fit into a little God-shaped box that you've lovingly carved out of your life for him to fit into. He's like, no, I'm God. Your life is supposed to be fitted around him. It's supposed to be devoted to him, given over to him. Some of you are struggling because you're trying to squeeze God or get God to squeeze into the box that you've lovingly created. And God's saying, no, actually, I'm trying to prepare you for eternity. Your life is supposed to be given in pursuit of God. And yet amazingly, wonderfully, God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, gave his life in pursuit of you. So he's not asking you to do anything that he himself 
hasn't already done. The firstborn son of God, the only begotten son, gave his life so that the wrath of God could pass over your life and you could be accepted. You could be received by God. Your relationship could be restored. And the rest of our lives should be shaped by doing what he calls us to do, which won't always be convenient. It won't always be easy. It won't necessarily be comfortable. Don't be like Israel here in the passage, grumbling against God. Turn your genuine needs, their needs were genuine. Turn your genuine needs into prayer, trusting God to answer it in his time, not yours. Let's, let's move on. Verse 4 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. See God's grace here. You know, they, they moan. He says, I'm going to provide. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you would have thought they'd have known that already, wouldn't you, with all the signs, but anyway. And in the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For who, for what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumbled against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And then that evening quail came along and they were able to get meat uh, from those birds. And then, uh, uh, and then in the morning there was this white stuff on the ground which we know from the story uh, they call manna and they were able to eat that. And, that uh, uh, and they went and gathered it and then they gathered too much and the next, as the Lord had told them not to, but they still did and some went mouldy and then on Saturday and then on Sunday when they're supposed to be having, a, uh, not it would be their Saturday, wouldn't it, on Saturday, that when they're supposed to be having a, a day of rest and not going out, they, some go out and there's no food there and you know, Moses and God get a bit cross with them. And then it goes on here in verse 31. It says, Now the house of Israel called its name manna. That's the, the, the white stuff on the ground that they could eat. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses says, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer, that's just uh, over two litres, of it be kept throughout your, your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before 
the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna for 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. We'll stop there for the time being. Despite Israel's moaning, God wonderfully in his grace provides for them supernaturally for their needs for the next 40 years. He instructs Moses even to keep some as a testimony to future generations so that they can look back and see God's provision and his grace for his people. Each day, was, it was provided enough for them to live on. It may not have been all that they liked, and in fact, we'll see later, they moan about it a bit, but it was all that they needed was provided. Even when they rebelled against God, which they do a couple of times, which we'll see as we carry on in this series, the manna was still there by God's grace all the way up until they enter the promised land. And actually, we looked at that a few years ago when uh, we uh, looked at the book of Joshua. You can see in there, it tells you when the manna stops. Now, Jesus Christ, unlike Israel, when he had been in the wilderness for 40 days, similar amount of time as the Israelites in our passage today, is there and he's tempted by the devil to abuse his power, which he could use to turn rocks into bread. And yet he makes this amazing statement based on what Moses writes in Deuteronomy 8, uh, verse 4. He says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. My friends, God knows your needs in this life. He knows them. In fact, he teaches us in the Lord's Prayer to pray, Lord, give us your daily bread, your daily needs. He knows that. But what he also knows is that more than our basic physical needs, we have a deeper need, a spiritual need, a need for spiritual food, which only God can meet, which is found in God himself. We may be able to physically exist for, uh, you know, without this spiritual, need, this spiritual need being met. Even in a country like ours, we can exist maybe for 80 years or so. But you know, that's just like a moment already passed in the span of eternity. God is holding out to you and to the world through, through you his wonderful life that he has through his son, Jesus Christ. By Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, on your behalf, where he takes on himself the sins of the world, the sins that you and I have done, so that we can be forgiven when we put our faith in him. We can be made righteous. We can receive his Holy Spirit who comes and lives inside of us and fills that deepest need and sustains us and guides us. He makes us born again. He brings us into the family of God. That's what is on offer through Jesus Christ, which some of you in this room don't, haven't received him already. Many of you have, and many of you, God wants to use you to bring that message to those around you, because that is the deepest need of every human being. 
If you haven't, though, surrendered your life to Christ already, and uh, as we've been worshipping, as I've been speaking, you think, yeah, no, I need to get right with God. I want this deepest need in my life met. And I believe there is someone here, actually, because God has been speaking to you, or you may be watching online. Then just pray this prayer in your heart along with me. God knows who you are. God knows what you need, and he wants to meet with you. Just pray this prayer of surrender. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me enough to send Jesus to die for me. Please forgive me of all the things that I have done that are wrong, that offend you. And through the power of your spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, help me to live the rest of my life for you. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, uh, please come and see me afterwards. We have a track that I'd love to uh, give to you and to uh, help you as you begin your Christian journey. If you are watching online, please contact the office. We'd love to help you in your walk with God. Jesus says this. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. My friends, we have the bread of life through Jesus. We have it. He is the bread of life. And if you have Jesus, you have life, the Bible tells us. And actually, God wants to work through you to bring his life to others. And for us as believers, for the rest of our time here on earth, we, earth, we should daily be seeking the spiritual food that Jesus has for us each day and it can be found also in his word the bible to meet your deepest need the deep the needs of your soul stop trying to squeeze god into your busy schedule and start basing your life around god is partly what these passages are teaching us your life as a Christian is to be shaped by Christ. Your life should be submitted to God's plans, not he to your plans. God is preparing you and all his people for eternity. That you, and in that preparation, actually, there may be temporary discomfort. There may be inconvenience. There may be trouble. In fact, Jesus promises us that we will face trouble in the life here and now. This side of eternity, things may be physically, relationally, mentally or emotionally more challenging than you would like yourself. But these momentary troubles, and I'm not minimizing them, but I'm quoting scripture, these momentary troubles are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us through Jesus Christ, Romans 8, verse 18. Our promised land, you see, is the age to come. That's what we're called to be focused on, living for. It's not 
the here and now. So trust God for all the trials that you face here and now because he's preparing you for there. Let's move on. Exodus 17. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa or Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Similar test, similar outcome here with the people of Israel. You would have thought they'd have learned from the last time that they should respond in faith and come to God in prayer, not moaning. What about you, my friends? Are you growing in your faith this morning or are you stuck in that same place, falling into the same old sin again and again, failing that same test that God brings your way, not allowing the Holy Spirit to shape you, to grow you, to mature you, to be more Christ-like. My friends, you're the main loser if that is you this morning. God wants to reward you. He wanted to reward the Israelites for their steps of faith and trust in him. And actually, through your faith and your steps of faith that you take, he wants to extend the kingdom of God through you. See, these small steps that God was testing Israel with here were supposed to grow their faith for the challenges that lay ahead of them, which, of course, because we know the story, we know they failed, making that 11-day journey from Sinai to the Promised Land a 40-year one. My friends, trust Father God to lead your life, to provide for you and to give you all that you need. He wants to spiritually refresh you along the way as well. He will give you all that you need. As I said, not necessarily all you want, but all that you need will be provided by him. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us, For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all drank the same spiritual drink. He's talking about our passage here. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus tells us, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, 
whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But he is now. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit has been given and is given and is there. And as we looked at last week, we should be seeking to be filled with him every day. There's fresh grace, there's fresh outpouring of the Spirit available to you every day that you need it. Let's move on to the final bit of this passage. It says this in uh, verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron and Hur and the best attended prayer meeting ever went up to the top of the hill. No, it doesn't say that about that, but I'm sure lots of people thought, oh yeah, I'll choose prayer this time. I'll, I'll go there. But uh, whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly block out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. Interesting, isn't it? The word that we had this morning, the Lord is my banner, saying a hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. When Israel felt secure from their old enemy, they were attacked. But even in this, you see, God was allowing it to grow them and to prepare them for future things that were coming their way. Notice how the battle was also won through prayer and obedience. Hartman Koch, in his great book, The Struggle, which should appear on the screen uh, behind me, uh, which is referred to actually in your discipleship packs as one of the books to, to read. He shows how the Amalekites here in the Old Testament often depict for us as Christians our battle against the flesh, our sinful nature within. And the Apostle Paul warns us in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, he says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stand take heed, lest he fall. Jesus said, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Elsewhere, Paul writes, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. You can't win God's 
battles with your own strength. That's trying to use, you can't use the flesh to beat the flesh. It will turn on you. It's only through prayer and God's enabling presence, his Holy Spirit, that the victory is won in your life. Prayer is an essential part of the Christian life. It's also one of our greatest privileges as Christians that we can come to our Father God, the God of all the universe. We can come to him as Father and commune with him, enjoy his presence as his beloved children through Jesus. Knowing that actually God hears your prayers because of Jesus as well. Alec Matoya in his book says, the fight may have taken place in the valley, but the victory was won on the mountain. And the same is true for you, my friends. The same is true for you. So then, as you follow God's leading in your life, don't grumble, but trust him to provide for all your needs. Seek Christ's sustaining power through his word and his refreshing through the filling of the Holy Spirit, bringing all things before him in prayer, and you will victoriously be used by God to enable his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Can I invite you to stand? Can I invite the worship team to to come back as well, please? God has been speaking to us here this morning. He's been ministering through the worship time. A lot of the words have lined up. Even the songs that we've sung have lined up to what God wanted to speak to you through my message this morning. And if you're here this morning and you just know you need that fresh touch from the Holy Spirit, you just need refreshing, you just need that uh, strengthening in your inner being. Can I encourage you as we sing this next song or even as the next song finishes, there's this prayer uh, space over here. We'll be praying for people over there. Come forward and receive prayer over there. If you're here this morning and you need healing, we serve a God who can heal, who can meet your needs and we seek him for that healing every week here. So if you're here and you want uh, prayer for healing, please come forward again over here. We'd love to stand with you and pray for you and uh, pray God's grace and favour and and breakthrough in that area. And finally, I do just feel there's a couple of people here that just feel that they are trapped. Uh, There's an area of their sinful nature, of the area they struggle with, that they keep falling into, they don't seem to break free from. And God is here this morning with fresh grace. He wants to meet with you. He wants to help you. His spirit is here to empower you to see victory over that area. So can I encourage you as well as, uh, as uh, we sing this song uh, to come forward to this area over here. And there are people to pray with you. There's people to help you. God's got fresh grace for you this morning. He wants to meet with you. Let me pray and then I'll just hand over to Chris. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're our great high priest. You know how we're made. You know our weaknesses. You know our struggles, Lord God. Lord, we just 
want more of you, Lord God. We confess our need for more of you, Lord God. Father, thank you that you have great things for each person in this room to do, those faith steps that you want them to take that will make a difference for eternity, Lord God, not just the here and now. And Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us as your people to uh, trust you through the hard times and the good times, to stay focused on you, to draw strength from you, to, to feed on your word, to be filled with your spirit and to, in all things, draw near you in prayer, Lord God, seeking you, seeking your will, seeking your direction in our life, Lord God. Help us to be people that grow to be more like you because that's what you want to do in us, Lord God. That's what your spirit is trying to do, to conform us to be more like Jesus. And so, Lord, we say, have your way in us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.